Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I catch up with skateboarding videographer, Chris Middlebrook. Chris has worked with the likes of Nike, Baker, Volcom, Blank, and uh, Alien Workshop. How you going, Chris? Um, good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, we uh, know each other from skating in Melbourne in the 90s. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. And I haven't seen you much in between now and then. You know, I've been traveling a lot and you've been off doing your own thing as well. But, um, you know, still, I don't skate that much these days, but I still follow what's going on in the skate industry, like via like Thrasher and the Barracks and, you know, websites like that. But um, I keep seeing your name pop up in the credits a lot. And it's, and it's, uh, it's really good to see. It's like, oh, Mitzi's in there, killing yeah. it. You yeah, know? it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a busy, well, no. 10, 15 years, like a lot of cool projects going on. So yeah, it's good, man. It's good. So, um, so how'd you get started in the first place? Like when, when you first like either picked up a skateboard or a camera or both? Um, I guess I, I started skating in 1986 and yeah, we, we, I grew up in Frankston and, uh, we, you know, did, you know, you played on your BMX and we had banana boards and all that kind of stuff. But we moved to Adelaide in 1986 and I really hated it. It was like grade six, you know, so it's like you're finally at the end of the top of the high school, uh, top of the primary school and, you know, just before high school and got taken out of Frankston, taken to Adelaide, didn't really gel that well. But that was the year I got my first skateboard and actually like started, you know, a big board, you know, just as sort of straight off the back of Back to the Future and, you know. BMX movies like Rad and all that kind of stuff. So, so started skating in Adelaide, and then we moved back to Frankston exactly a year later. So it was 1987, and skating was like massive, you know. And that was Bones Brigade and all that kind of stuff. And that was the 87 is when I saw the Search for Animal Chin, and it was the first video I ever saw, and was just hooked on skating from from then onwards, really. And like, and when did you pick up a video camera? So I guess we had, um, like I remember borrowing my dad's, uh, ca- my, my dad had a, a camera through his work that we'd sometimes use. Another friend, his dad had a, you know, I'm talking like shoulder mounted VHS with the sort of side, you know, carry back, you know, the, the tape would sit in and we just kind of played around. So that would have been like 1988 and then in year 11, you know, so I shot photos and stuff, but just instamatic, you know, like point and shoot stuff didn't really didn't really get that deep into anything like that until sort of 1990-91 when I did a communication project for school which you know you had to make something and I was like cool I'm gonna make a skate video and of course you only had you know access to the camera for like a weekend or two weekends maybe and I was like I'm gonna make a video and never got the video finished like film probably 10 tricks and you needed you know back then i was probably trying to make a 30 minute video it was never going to happen but um but it was an interesting process because even though i didn't get it finished i still got a really good grade because i knew what i was trying to do like i you know i could show the teacher this is what i'm trying to get and this guy needs he's got three tricks he needs 30 tricks or whatever else so and then um the same year one of my friends pete smith who had been at school with, he got a handy cam. You know, he's, he got like a 12-month interest-free deal from Brashes and his mum went guarantor. I think his mum ended up just paying for it anyway. Like, cause, But um, that's when we sort of started playing with cameras and filming and then I got my first camera when I finished high school. So that would have been start of 93. 
Mm. Yeah, just just started filming friends and demos and yeah, just yeah, just messing around really, you know. And like you didn't like set out to be like a filmer or anything like that. It was just like you just wanted oh. a camera to document it. Because I remember I was the same. Like I asked, it was like Christmas and birthday joined together, mixed with my savings and that, and really wanted a camera just so yeah. I could film skating. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got I I finished high school. And the very next week started my started work for the government. So I, st- I started working at uh, Department of Social Security. So like you can imagine the end of year 12 when everyone else is like, you know, it's the end of school, we're just partying all summer and skating, which is all I wanted to do. But my mum wasn't going to have a bar of that. She's like, you've got to get a job, you know. Um, but at the same time, I got a job and it allowed me to buy a camera maybe three or four months later. So... So I just filmed and skated, but it was an interesting time because like 93 is when, you know, you'd grown up on all this, you know, like you'd seen all the, you know, the late 80s videos and Hate Street videos and the Blind video and Questionable and all these things. And then 4-on-1 happened and 4-on-1 was like, it was a video with everyone in it. It wasn't just a company video. So, so that was an interesting point, of, uh, an interesting thing that happened because you could watch it and would have different companies different teams different contests different events different everything in it so it's sort of and it was international so all of a sudden like you was there was a european section remember there being australian sections in them as it went along as well and you sort of went all right like there's skating areas everywhere it's not just california you know so so i found i I think that was a pivotal thing of like all right well someone must be filming You, know? you can submit to it like a magazine or potentially like- yeah i hadn't even really thought about it from mm-hmm. that point of view but you knew that it was bigger than just you know you know gons and jason lee in the blind video there mm. was like lots of other people with cameras there was lots of other people doing stuff yeah so what were um like what were the first projects you were working on and how did they come about oh i think the first like which i never actually put out was the first thing I ever really did was like a, a homemade video, um, which would have been, it would have been filmed in like 94, I reckon, 94, 95. And it was just, it was just everyone who I skated with and it was just their best tricks. And it was probably like two or three songs. And I had like a mixing board thing that you could fade in and out. And, and I remember printing out um, like people's names on actual A4 pieces of paper and then just filming that and that's how I did a title and all that kind of stuff. Never released it. Like back then you would have had to put, you know, duplicate a VHS to actually make it and I didn't even know how to do that or didn't have any money to do that. So that's fine. That sits on a tape somewhere. But um, but the actual first like proper thing that we did was with, um, was with Raf doing the first blank video. So, so Raf and I... Um, yeah, Raf and I went to school together. He was a year behind me. So during that sort of, you know, everyone was into skating like 87, 88, 89. Everyone's like 15, 16 starts dropping off. By 1990, there was only like maybe four or five of us that still skated. But we were a tight little group. So so Raf and I were friends during that period. And, um, and he, you know, he left school when I left school saw each other once or twice during that time and he was off doing music and doing all kinds of stuff and yeah i saw him again at a demo at the shed so the shed had just kind of started so there used to be the go-kart track in mornington which had the vert ramp and the spine ramp and a bunch of other stuff there and then the go-kart track shut and then the shed opened around 94 i guess or 95 
and they built all those ramps. So we helped build some of that street course and, you know, myself and a lot of the guys from Prankston and the Peninsula and stuff. So basically there was a demo, there was a power demo one day and um, it was Cab and Mike V and Mike Santa Rosa and Raf and Danny were there um, selling hoodies out of the back of Danny's panel van. And I'd seen Raf for probably a year or so and, and I was out there on a course filming this demo. I was like, dude, we're doing, yeah, we're doing hoodies, we're doing blank, like, it was like, and the stuff looks sick, you know, it was all graph inspired hoodies and tees and stuff. And he's like, you're still, you know, you're still filming because I'd filmed back in the day. And he's like, oh, let's do a video. I've got these guys that we sponsor from Melbourne. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And we got chatting and actually realized that we live like five minutes escape from each other. Like, didn't, mm-hmm. we're both living in Karingal. So, so yeah, so that's kind of where that started. And we both, I think we both upgraded our cameras at that stage. We went from like, video eight to high eight because you know, it was a little bit better and um yeah we started filming that video and it took maybe i don't know two years to do it a year and a half to do it so mm. that was crazy that time when like when blank started and everything because didn't they weren't they both on the doll and they did the work the niece scheme, yeah they were like doing where... niece yeah so you know so raf's always you know he's always had his own hustle going on so mm. and uh they yeah him and danny were like well you know we know how to do it. Raf's definitely has that um, that business mind to like make stuff happen, you know. So yeah, he's still doing it today, isn't he? He's always, yeah, he's yeah. always done it. So um, so he knew how to make it into something, you know, actually how to make it work. And obviously, Danny had had the artistic side of it as well. So so that's kind of yeah, that's kind of how that started. And so as you were you know, really starting to get projects on the, on the go and everything. Do you have any like mentors who were showing you the ropes or were you just well, self-taught? I, I, I pretty much just taught myself how to film. Like I would study videos. I would watch videos a lot and, um, which I hadn't done until, I mean, I think you subconsciously kind of pay attention to like, you know, what looked good, you know, like, you know, when you watch a video and it's all filmed nicely and there's one badly filmed trick that stands out way more than the rest of it because it's like a punch in the face. It's like, oh, yeah. Why, why wasn't that? That was too jerky or it was a bit out of focus or whatever. So, but I didn't really have any specific video mentors. Like I know, um, you know, Raf was definitely a mentor in a sense of like, he knew how to go, we're going to make a video. I need you to help film it. And he was filming it as well. So it was the both of us, but he was the one who had the editing program and he knew how to get the VHSs duplicated. And you had to get the sleeve printed and he knew how to shoot the photos to be on the cover and what, you know, like all that stuff I was just aloof to. I was like, I'm just out here filming and, yeah. and being in the streets and, and, you know, trying to get the footage. So, yeah, so, but I guess I had mentors in later on in filming, you know, as you sort of, there wasn't really anyone in Australia that knew, I mean, you knew other people were filming, you know, like the Time guys, you know, Christian Western, those guys. Like their videos were, at the, at the time they set the standard of like production wise and skateboarding wise and for a brand as well. It was like, cool, for all in, for every everything you take into consideration when you look at a company video, you'd look at those guys and be like, cool, the boards look great, the graphics look great, the video looks great, you know? So mm. that was kind of a production level goal, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So you... um. Like, you know, after all that, you started, um, you know, getting in with American companies and yeah. and all that. Like, how did all that come about? 
Well, I guess it was like, I guess the blank journey was like, you know, so, so the first video dirtbags came out in 1998 and then somewhere 98, 99, we switched over to VXs, VX 1000s. Um, and then, you know, then the next video was blank vandals, which was way bigger than dirtbags. Like that was, that was like a, a big moment, you know, for not just for Melbourne skateboarding, especially just the quality of everything but it was that was so that came out in 2000 um and it was around 2000 i think that i started to get some opportunities like i think it was 2000 i went on uh one of the on video tours they did the the america team came out and they did and it was yeah i was way out of my league you know like but ricky bedenball was on that trip and like dan wolf who was like one of my favorite filmers who you know the east exposure videos i'd lived on for years so it was kind of and atiba jefferson was on that like it was like you just suddenly stepped into a trans world video with all these dudes and ed templeton was there and, you know heath kirchart and andrew reynolds so so like darren caney teed that up for me because he worked for for um gsj at the time and, and looked after all those guys so so that was a bit of a, it was a shock to the system, you know, mm. but Ricky Benball was there and he was, he was super nice, super friendly. I make my, my viewfinder started playing up. Like everyone knows now that the ribbon cable and uh, the ribbon cables break in VXs from, you know, moving the viewfinder too much. And it happened to me on that trip, it just stopped working, you know, and he knew the, you know, the shortcut, like take the battery out, pull the thing down, put it back on, it'll work. You just can't bend it anymore. So little things like that, which, I, you know, and there wasn't anyone else to ask really in Australia. Like, so, but, um, yeah, that's sort of, that then led to the Globe World Cups and all those kind of stuff. So skating became really quite big. And when the Globe World Cup started to happen, um, there was just a lot more opportunity because, you know, Globe needed somebody to, to film or knew how to film skating, be on course and actually do all that stuff. But also around all of those events, it would be, um, it would be like, Hey, cool. Well, the blind guys are here. You know what I mean? Can you take them skating for a week? You know, we need someone to, to do something with these guys. Otherwise they're just going to sit around and party and whatever else. So, so yeah, through that, you know, I met like James Craig and Ronnie Craiger and, you know, Gideon Choi and these dudes that you just watched in Trilogy like six years earlier and you go, hang on, you're in my van. Where do you want to go and skate? You know, mm-hmm. like and taking people to places and stuff. So that's kind of when a lot of the international stuff really kind of started around 2001 or two. I think two is when those things kind of started to happen. Um, and we'd like, did you yeah. start seeing your footage appear in like the American videos and stuff? Yeah, like I had that. stuff in some of those videos and you'd have stuff turning up and you'd be like, oh shit. Mm. You know, like you get your 50 bucks or something for some yeah. trick. And if it was US dollars, you're like, the dollar was crap at that stage. So you're like, oh, that's 80 bucks, you know, but, yeah. but the money was never, I don't know, I guess during those times, the early 2000s as skating was growing, you would always be, you, you know, you, I know I wanted to film and I wanted to do it, but how, hmm. you know, like there's, there was yeah. one Globe World Cup a year and you'd get you know, paid for the weekend's work and then that would be it. So, so it was like pocket money. Yeah. It was just yeah, a bit of like extra bit money of extra and a great opportunity. Yeah. And you would meet a lot of people, but like, keep in mind this whole time, like Monday to Friday, nine to five, I'm working for the government hmm. processing dole forms or catching out dole sheets and reviewing people and that. So, 
so that that's how I paid for everything because there was no one to pay for anything. Your mm-hmm. camera broke, you paid for it. Tapes, you paid for it. Petrol, all that stuff, everything, you paid for it. You know, like you just, there was no one to, to step in and be like, hey, here's a budget to, to do anything with. So, yeah, because the same with like artists now, you know, yeah. like you you could, you're coming up, you sell a couple of paintings, you get invited to be in an exhibition, and it's you're rubbing shoulders with your idols and stuff yeah. like that. But you've you've got you're not making enough money to no. get your day job. Yeah. You know? And it's, I think it's the same. It's the same pretty much in any industry. It's like yeah. you have to, you know, you have to operate at a certain level to be able to move to that level and and justify that you know you know what you're actually doing. But yeah, those early two thousands were crazy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just those global cups had such an impact on so many skateboarders. Like I work or you know, sponsor or, or skate with kids now, that's their generation. So they were like fifteen when those were happening. And and they're like they were the best. Yeah, I remember you know? going to them. Yeah, that's it. I mean yeah. I thought they were the best as well, but for a kid who was like a skate rat and stayed being a skate rat, to watch that stuff and be like, dude, that was so crazy. Like mm. saw Chad Musker and Tom Penny on the street or whatever else. Like mm. That was, that was a magic time, you know? Yeah. So was there like, like one project or, um, you know, or tour or anything like that that really sort of stopped, you know, like took you from having a, a, a trick here and a trick there in videos to actually really, well, I think, you know, picking up your career? I think, um, yeah, there's been a couple of key moments that, that have like led to, to different things, if that makes sense. So definitely like one of them, probably the biggest one was like becoming, um, you know, close friends with Lewis Marnell. That was probably one of the biggest ones because at the time, and this was sort of off the back of the World Cups and all that kind of stuff too. And Louis had been, you know, living in Sweden for some stay, some time and had come back. And I'd, I knew who he was and I knew him to say, hey, good day or whatever, but we'd never actually done anything to together. And... Uh, so this must have been like 2002, two, three, or I think, or 03 or something like that. So basically, yeah, we just started filming one day and it was myself and him and Dale Van Ursel and Enrique Lorenzo was here as well. And he was just here for a whole summer and just wanted to skate. And I was like still working for the government, had a sweet deal with my boss where I'd start work at 6 a.m. and knock off at one. And like your work day was seven hours and 21 minutes. So I could make up that 21 minutes another day, you know, and I just wouldn't have lunch. I would just do everything and get, get it all done. So he was super flexible with me during that, um, during that time, especially in the summer when everyone was here. So I started doing all this stuff with Lewis and we filmed, we just went and filmed and he was just, you know, he was smashing it and there were spots in Melbourne that no one was even skating or they weren't even spots and he could just rock up and in the middle of the week and just get two tricks and go to the next spot. It was quite, it flowed. It was good. So so he, he logged a bunch of stuff and, you know, he just maybe, he was just getting on Nike. He was just, he just, he was on Nike, he was on Baker and he was on Volcom, but it was all like flow, nothing was like serious. And then uh, the Chichikov, Volcom Chichikov video was coming out and Dustin hurt his knee again and he was meant to have a part and he was like, and he and Lewis, um, sorry, Dustin's always been a massive advocate for Australian skaters and helping people and all that kind of stuff. And he was um, super vocal about Lewis and being like, Lewis has got to be in my part. 
and and Louis was just like, yeah, well, I've got all this footage, and we had you know two minutes of stuff, and it all just went straight in there. So that was kind of like a big moment of like, oh right, and that led to me being able to go on Volcom trips, and that led to me becoming friends with Dustin. We always knew each other, but hadn't really worked together before, and and then um, yeah, he had to do Baker Three, and so we filmed a bunch of stuff like, and that was probably the, that was actually the first time I was ever on a retainer for anything, you know, and it was like I was getting paid a monthly retainer which wasn't a lot of money but it was like i just needed to be there when when dustin needed me to be there or if the guys were here from the u.s that i had to be there for it and i was like yeah fine all i ever need is like a day's notice you know just because of the work scenario and all that kind of stuff so so that was that so that yeah that was the lewis and dustin thing and that all led into nike Mm -hmm. because like late 2004 i got um you know, Lewis is like, they're doing a tour, you know, like the whole US team are coming out here and, you know, like they need someone to film and all this kind of stuff. So, so that led, so I got in contact with um, Hunter Marara at Nike, who was the TM at the time. And he, yeah, with a couple of emails back and forth and it was just like, yeah, we need someone to, you know, drive the van, know the spots, can get the guys around, film the whole, that whole deal. So I was like, yeah, I'm ready. So I got the, got the time off work and we did a tour. It was Melbourne and Sydney. And it was like, yeah, it was the first tour I ever went on with Shane O'Neill as well. And I was sort of put there as like, you have to look after this kid. He was a bit of a chaperone role as well because he was 13 or something at the time. He was tiny, you know. So, so and off the back of that, it, that just led into getting the opportunity to be the TM out in Australia. And, um, yeah, it just kind of it went from there. Mm-hmm. But that whole period of like, oh... You know, like 03, 04, 05, 06. I started at Nike in 2006. But like those years in between there is like, because I'd done stuff with Nike or I'd done stuff for Lewis or Volcom, you know, like when, um, you know, like Greg Hunt and Joe Castrucci came out to Australia to work on this workshop video, which didn't even have a title yet. But that was with Stefan and Omar and uh, Tim O'Connor and, and I guess, yeah, through Nike, I think Omar was already on Nike, you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we know this guy, like in Melbourne, he can help you out. I think John Humphreys was on that trip as well. So just a few little things like that. And obviously getting to work with Greg and Joe was just like, you know, it was a bit of a trip really because, you know, a bit of a fiend on, you know, early trans world, you know, those 2000 era trans world videos like Sight Unseen that, that Greg had worked on. And obviously he'd written for Stereo and, you know, he was just mm. really... um you know, inspirational character and especially Joe and Joe Castrucci because he'd made photosynthesis, which was just like the best video in, that I'd ever watched at the time. And I still watch it, you know? So, so yeah, it's kind of weird. Just like, you know, you rock up to a hotel and just pick those dudes up. But, okay. Where do you want to go? Like I've got 10 spots. Let's just go. And we'll see what we get done. So those, yeah, those days were definitely, yeah, I was yeah working a job and then doing this, in every spare minute possible mm. because just definitely getting this. I was probably, you know, I was probably around 30 by this stage, like 05, 06 or something. And you were definitely getting to that point of like, something's got to give, you know what mm. I mean? You've done so much, you've put so much time and effort into skating and filming and, you know, you still love doing it, but like you are seriously in debt because you just spend all your money on, on gear and, you know, and you don't get anything back out of it. So, 
but yeah, those, those, I guess that era definitely set me up, you know, relationship wise without, without really even intending to do so, but it definitely led to a lot more things. And you know, it's like any industry it's like, it's the, just the relationships and the trust that people have or the, you know, whatever it is that, that makes people come back to you to do stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I've always found that you've been, um, you know, like there's all these Australian skaters who have come up and become pro and like really big names globally. But, uh, you know, they base themselves in Australia, especially in Melbourne, you know, with Dustin Dolan and Shane O'Neill and, and, you know, when Louis Marnell was skating as well. And, um, you know, and there was always like your name attached to all the footage. So you've always been like a big advocate. for Massive advocate. Mm. Huge. Like I definitely... um, yeah, and I think that's probably part of the reason I'm still... I didn't leave and go to the States or anything. It's like mm. I definitely believe in um, in helping people as much as you can, but especially from an Australian skateboarding point of view. Like a lot of that stuff we've just talked about is like opportunities with international companies. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there was no money in Australian skateboarding. Mm. Like maybe, you know, when Globe came on and was World Cups, it was like, oh, all of a sudden there was money, but they weren't about to hire me to film a Globe video. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they might pay you for some footage here and there, or help you out on a trip or whatever. But there was no job as such. You yeah. Know? So, um, but yeah, Australian skateboarding. Yeah, you know, I just always, I've always believed in it, and I've you know, and it's always harder for an Australian skateboarder to be successful. You have to prove yourself here, then you have to prove yourself again. Yeah. So you um like you also did some music videos as well. Yeah, like the any current couple. suppression ring. Yeah. Is that are they the only only things outside of skateboarding? Yeah, pretty really much. I just I just did one with my friend Lawrence Greenwood. Um, yeah, he's he's just put out a new album, which is which is pretty cool. Which I just yeah, we were just talking one day and I had some like some time lapse footage. It's like oh, perfect. It's exactly you know he wanted a really basic video. So, but um, but yeah, back I don't know it's probably like oh seven or oh six or somewhere around there like. So Danny Young, who did, uh, who started Blank with Raf, him and his brother Mikey started a band, Eddie Current Suppression Ring. So this has been, you know, we all lived in like Paran or East Paran or wherever it was at the time. And, uh, and they're all from, everyone's from down Frankston Way and Brendan and all those guys. So, so they had this band and there was a little, there was a little, you know, crew cult following, you know, as, as you know, before they became this massive band. And, um, they're like, I want to do a video. And I was filming so much Super 8 at the time, you know. So I was filming a lot of Super 8 for, for Crashing to Earth, you know what I mean? Um, which was like a blank video that came out in 2007. But I was just like, I was just on filming a lot. So, so yeah, Johan, who's Raf's youngest brother, and I did their first video clip, you know, which was just shot it all on Super 8. Half was black and white, half it was color. Did it in a warehouse just kind of made it up and did it and then yeah that album came out and they they got a bit bigger and then they did the second album um so the first one was like uh get up morning and then the second video was on at like that at the beach at the uh the beach boxes the bathing boxes mm-hmm. in yeah yeah oh, no, it's in chelsea actually yeah yeah so so someone had one of those it's like yeah cool we can open it up and we have a gig there and i actually played a gig you know we just filmed we just filmed the gig pretty much 
and then I think we might have done um, which way to go like two or three times, you know, and a crowd. There was a crowd of people turned up, like all friends and you know family turned up, but then lots of people just walking by to check it out. Yeah, we just shot that in one day at the beach and, and put that together, and then um, and then they did the Rush to Relax album, you know. So and that one was way more full on because. We filmed that on, and once again on a beach, but like the worst beach in the world, like out Altona or no, nah, it was further out than that. You know the airport um, on the way to Geelong, mm. Avalon. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, so it's like Avalon Beach or something, and it's like it's just a cesspit. You know, but my, my parents a... met on Altona Beach when you said. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, well, uh, it might have been nicer back then. I don't know. Nah, when no. we were there, it was pretty stinking. <laughs> yeah, but... it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty funny. But, uh... Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's weird. There was like, you know, big sea, big things of seaweed and you would never go in that water. You just would not swim in that water. It just looked like you're going to get a illness or something bad out of it. So, but, um, but we did a shoot down there and they had, everyone was in dressing gowns and they you know, had these weird masks on. It was, you know, it was a different vibe to the other videos, but it was all black and white. It was a really gloomy day as well. So it was overcast. It was it was really good conditions to shoot shoot black and white. And um but the critical thing was and there's a photographer there as well, I can't remember her name, but she was shooting the album cover that day. And they had a plane flying out from a rabbit. Pretty sure Danny had a friend who was a pilot and they teed it up so it had like, you know, the um it said rush to relax hanging off the back of the plane as one of those, I don't even know what you call those. Yeah, the banners. Trailing banner off the back of a plane, you know, like you see at the beach during summer or whatever. So, so anyway, they teared that up, but, um, but you know, there was phone calls and all, you know, so we'd filmed all this stuff, but this was like the last thing we had to get. Like we'd done everything, we had enough and we had to get this photo of the band and the beach and this plane had to fly low enough and we were so close to Avalon Airport that the plane's like getting warnings from the, aircraft control going you're way too low you know what I mean like and there's major planes taking off there so they're just trying to skim in and be like I don't know 50 meters above the water to get this photograph and to get this shot so so there was all this tension going on and sure enough it dropped low enough and and they got it done and that ended up being the album cover and you know we filmed it all and, and built it into that to that video clip so and then that was kind of they didn't do another album that was like the they kind of stopped after that so yeah they got big really fast yeah it was massive man. yeah yeah there was like and it's funny i went and saw them last year at um golden plains mm-hmm. you know they they headlined the golden plains and you know i hadn't seen them since 2011 or 12 or whenever they stopped playing and you know so so there's a lot of people there who were very excited to see them but it was quite weird being in the crowd and there were kids you know like 20 year old kids who were like shit man i can't believe we're actually going to get to see them play like because they just hadn't played for so long. Mm. It's like, it was a bit surreal. Like, oh, right. There's like that cult underground following is that thing that stems back of someone. Oh man, have you heard this? Oh, my older mm. brother saw this band or, you know, and it carried through and there's still kids into it like that. It's pretty, yeah, it's awesome when you see that. So, yeah. yeah. I was watching, um, you know, how Epically Laded on Viceland now. Yeah. 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 I was just watching on YouTube anyway, but um, I, yeah, saw... I don't think they streamed them. 
to Australia. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't plug the TV in. It's 2017. <laughs> I don't know why I can't watch that on Viceland. Yeah. Anyway. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I was, I was watching the uh, the Spike Jones um, episode on YouTube. Yeah. And, uh, and it just got me thinking about you because, you know, Spike Jones had sort of started just filming skating and filming his mates and all that. Mm. And then he'd, he'd started doing music videos and then eventually went on and did Bean John Malkovich and yeah. then started his movie career. Yeah. You know, like, do you have any aspirations to sort of um, build something outside mm. of skateboarding and film clips? Well, thanks for the comparison to Spy Jones. I, <laughs> like, he's in another league. But um, I've always thought about doing, like, actual films. I've never studied film. I've never had any sort of formal training or anything like that um i have thought of doing films i definitely have concept you know have some concepts for things that i'd like to shoot um but i've just never sort of pushed it if you know what i mean or mm. sort of or it's probably more important that it's probably more likely like having been so immersed and so like deeply immersed in skateboarding for so long it's like you only have so much time you know what I mean? Like if I was to commit to, you know, spending six months shooting a film or developing something, it's like you would have, something would have to give and just haven't really been in that position, but who knows? Mm. Maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe when I get these new cameras that have these fancy lenses on them and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so we, um, you know, you've, you've worked a lot with Nike and you've, uh, you've said yep. you've, you're no longer working with them. Yeah. Um, like, like what are you up to these days? Well, I was, I was with Nike for 11 years and I got let go of just uh, probably about, th- I don't know, probably four weeks ago. Um, so it's good. It's quite refreshing. Like there's no, there's no bad blood there. It's all good. I've already been hired back to work on some projects and, you know, so I'm quite, that's quite a good relationship there. And um, yeah, they, you know, I had 11 amazing years helping all my friends and developing literally coming up with ideas myself and going, I want to do this. And nobody really ever said no or stopped me. So, so I learned so much. I got to do so much. I got to help so many people. So, so I'll still do work for them, but now that I'm not actually physically attached in a, in a full-time capacity, I'm just going to do freelance work. So, um, so that involve, you know, so I've just started my own, I guess you call it an agency called 50 millimeter. Um, which is, you know, skate media, marketing and management. So it's pretty much anything within the realm of skateboarding. I know how to do it or I know how to make it happen or I know the right people to work with to, to pull something off. So so I'm going to uh, manage some of the, you know, at least one or maybe more of, of the um, up-and-coming skateboarders. Um, just to, a lot of the stuff we would have I would have done at Nike around like, hey, you ride for Nike? All right, cool. Well, you need to be in a magazine or you need to film a video or you need to shoot an interview. You know, a lot of those things, um, not to say that they won't necessarily happen, but people need guidance, mm. you know, and, and you can, I can supply that to people. You know I mean? If people are serious about where they want to go or what they want to do, or their parents are really believing in them and they need that extra person to be like, Hey, what do I do? And that's where I can step in and help. So, so it's like mentorship and guidance. It's heavily, yeah. Like mm. I think everything that I've ever done, like I sort of stepped away from Nike and I had to really sort of evaluate everything and be like, oh, cool, you've always filmed, you know, and 
you know, the last few years you've sort of directed and brand managed and produced pieces and events and all that stuff more. It's like, why, what drives you to do this? What is the sort of, you know, what is the driving factor? And I was like, well, you like helping people and you like, um, like my mum always said I should have been a teacher. She goes, you're so good with kids, you can just bang. You're on their level. You understand the way they're thinking. And, you know, you have a rapport with them. You can just slip into their mode, you know. So, So yeah, even now that I'm not at Nike, but I look back to the things I, you know, I liked the most. And it was like working with young people. It was like working with Shane or Lewis or Nick Baseri or these kids who were teenagers who were like, unless you tell them and tell them what to do or help them or let them learn for themselves or tell them off if they're messing up, you know, like keep them in line. All those bits, I'm like, oh, that's the stuff, you know, it's almost like a, an incubator, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, cool. We're going to help you, going to get you going, do the right things, give you some guidance, off you go, you know, go do your thing. So, so that's like a mentorship program, but there's also, um, still within skateboarding it's like obviously you know video work or you know event work for brands or or you know i used to write for a lot of the magazines i just haven't done that for years just because i haven't had the mental capacity to do it you know so mm. gonna get back into writing articles but there's also this big thing called the olympics happening in 2020 mm. and skateboarding is going to be there so um i've been doing some work with the australian sports commission on like how are they going to service the skateboarders who were going to go to the Olympics. Mm. So, which is a pretty massive thing. And obviously like whether you love or hate the Olympics or think it's wrong or right for skateboarding, it's going to happen no matter what. And I'd much rather be involved because I have a lot of friends who will probably be there or have the potential to be there. And I'd much rather be involved and be able to help them because someone's going to have to be the middleman between you know, the Australian Sports Commission or the Australian Olympic Committee and these skateboarders, mm. you know. So I kind of look at it as a similar, almost a similar role to what I did at Nike, which was, you know, Nike is not from skateboarding, but we need people from skateboarding to activate this and make it work. So it's just sort of, sort of the same thing for the Olympics. So that's still a work in progress and, you know, but the Olympics is only, you know, two and a half years away. To God, three years, you know, mm. but it's going to happen really quick. So, so that's some stuff I'm going to work on. But yeah, I'm going to do music videos. I'm going to just, I'm kind. It's kind of exciting to be honest, you know. Yeah. Like I still will be working in skateboarding. I'm still be working with skateboarders. Um, I guess you're not you're not bound to a company or anything or yeah. whatever they say that you need to be doing. Yeah, it's like it. you can you can really you got a blank canvas to work with. It is a blank canvas, and you and I do have that freedom to like you know. Like I said, I'm gonna, you know, I'm already gonna go back and do work for Nike. Mm. Certain things, you know. Um, so it's almost like, yeah, it's a breath of fresh air, but you still get to do the stuff you enjoy doing. You know what I mean? And and it's refreshing. You know, yeah. I definitely, I was definitely due for it. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. So you said you've been like, you know, mentoring skaters and nurturing their careers and and all that. Like, have you um, have you done any of that within with filmers, like up and coming filmers? Have you been showing yeah, them sure. the ropes? For and, sure hooking them up with jobs and definitely um yeah i always look at that sort of uh it's just like a natural progression you know what i mean Mm. like you can you want someone else 
whether a skater or a filmer or whatever else. I know, like all the skaters do it. Like, you know, Lewis was always super vocal about how good Shane O'Neill was. It's like, man, this kid's gonna, like, he was always vying for him. Like, like Lewis was always vying for me to work for Nike, you know, like. Mm. So I think with, with filmers, I've always, you know, sometimes without even really recognizing it, until later but it's like if there's a filmer and he's trying to film or he wants to learn more or he wants to contribute footage to a video that you're working on you know what I mean and that's what's happened a lot the last few years like as I sort of filmed less um, and sort of directed and produced more it's like cool I can't be out there every day so I do need you know like when we were doing two up and and I had had a neck injury during that time it was like I can't do it all I was like Jeff Campbell to help you know because he was friends with brass and knew alex mm. like i need you to film with these guys I'm gonna you know we'll figure it out this is what we're gonna do for you he was up for the challenge you know um and it worked out really well um and then the same thing with the josh paul project you know it was like that was james james who was like he filmed a lot of shane stuff as well you know as i've started stopped filming as much with shane like he would him and shane were friends so so james and shane would work on a lot of stuff together Jeff and James would work on different projects together. So, yeah, through Nike, as we were doing a lot of those projects, I had to hire people, you know, and be like, cool, I need you to do this, you know. And, you know, it's probably the first time in Australia that anybody, that there any filmers were really on, you know, sort of solid retainers or a consistent amount of money just to film, mm. not to be a team manager or a brand manager and a filmer and a social media guy. Like, you are a video guy and you need to film videos. So, but there are a lot of, you know, and I think as it moves along, it's important. It's important for skateboarding and, and for the scene that, that you, if you can help that you do, and if you can share your knowledge, you do. And if you can give feedback, whether the person wants to hear it or not, you do, because there's no one else is going to tell you. Like if you've like, you know, like if you, if you're a filmer, and you film something and you're like, oh, that, yeah, that looks all right, you know? And you have another set of eyes on it going, yeah, but what if you had done this? Or can you see how you've done that? And mm. now, like, you've zoomed out too far. And, like, it's funny because another guy, Brendan Gardol from Sydney, who we did a Nike SB, did Nike SB Sydney Cumberland County, which came out in May this year. And Brendan lived in Sydney. And I was like, you have to film with these kids you know like pretty much half there was like nine guys in the video he probably filmed four or five of them and filmed like half the video and just did it and he was working a shit job you know just mm. busting his balls after after work weekends just to make this thing happen and he smashed it you know at the same time he was someone who I was you know was mentoring and I continued to mentor like you know he would um, you know he would question if he'd filmed it right and you know so he's self-analyzing you know oh shit is that good is that too close too far away whatever mm. else um, but at the same time there were certain tricks like he you know there's one trick he filmed which was a massive trick it was like one of those tricks like you shouldn't mess this up he didn't totally mess it up but you know he's probably going to listen to this and I love you Brandon and you know he's awesome but um, but it was like I was like dude like you zoomed out so far there's like a tiny speck on the screen you know what I mean like it's like, you know, he was, and he was like, he knew he'd, you know, he was upset enough, you know what I mean? But I was like, dude, you fucked that up so bad. Like, you know, it's like a guy doing a triple kinked rail in the rain. And you could use it if you had to, you know what I mean? But like when you're packaging something together, like, 
the best trick film badly, you can still use it. But if it's, you know, if it's a Nike video and it's got to be polished and really nice, mm. it's just going to stand out like a sore thumb if like it's not filmed correctly. So, so, but anyway, we, you know, we, we joke about it still to this day, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, cause I was like, dude, you fucked it up. It's like, oh, oh, you know, he was quite upset about it and whatever else. But like, that's just one example of like, until someone tells you, you're not always to know. Like I remember I filmed with my steady shot on during the nineties for like two years. Like the whole of blank dirt bags has a steady shot on. You know, I didn't realise that that's what was making the lens wobble. I had no idea. And I remember sending footage to Chris Ortiz at some stage in the late nineties and he was like, Hey man, just so you know, like turn the steady shot off, it'll stop the lens wobbling. And this is like I think this is probably a letter. This is mm. probably before emails, yeah. you know, like and I was just like, Oh shit. You know, like, but there was no one to tell you, you know, so, but there are a lot of filmers, you know, I did a, um, I did a video, uh, video, like instructional video course with, with Jeff, um, for Stoke skateboarding up on the Gold Coast earlier this year at the, at the art center there. And there was probably, I think there was 20, 20 kids. And I'm talking from, you know, from an 11 year old with the GoPro to a guy my age, who's just always loved skate filming and wanted to learn more and there was a two day course and it was one of the most rewarding things I've done because you don't always realize how much you know until someone goes, why do you do that? Yeah. And you have to question yourself. Well, it's obvious to me, but hang on, what's mm. the thought process of why I've done that? It's like, well, I've learned that this happens if I don't do that or, you know, so. Yeah. Cause I like, I worked for years as a graphic designer mm. and we used to always say it's like bad design stands out like a sore thumb but good design's invisible yeah. it's like when you're watching True. TV you just or a movie you're just watching it yeah. if someone's like delivering their lines really shit and all that yeah. you're like man this guy can't act for shit well you it's know? like if you flip over to channel That's... 31 you suddenly go oh that doesn't look as nice yeah you know I mean? I'm not bagging yeah. on those guys I'm just like it doesn't look the same yeah, it doesn't yeah. have the same production value so yeah exactly so it's like um, yeah it's it's you get so used to high quality stuff that when mm. you know because uh, what you're consuming you know, visually yeah. is usually quite polished. Yeah. And um, when something's not quite there, doesn't quite meet the target, Yeah, you really notice it. Yeah, and I think from a skating and a skate video, like, you know, same time, like, uh, uh, you know, the trick is paramount. You know what I mean? Mm. It's yeah. like, you know, those old anti-hero videos, like they're filmed on a bloody toilet roll or whatever, you know, like who <laughs> knows, but like the skating still stands out in your head because it was so gnarly. And I think as videos got more and more polished um, or the production got to a certain standard, you would notice it if something wasn't, was out of place, you know, but still the gnarliest, the gnarliest trick filmed amazingly, you'll never beat it. You know, the gnarliest trick filmed terribly, well, there's, it's, you still did it and there's the proof, you know, and even with a lot of the Australian filmers and, you know, there's so many good Australian filmers who are coming up and Australian photographers, you know, they're great, you know, so... But with the filmers, I remember, you know, like agreeing to do the workshop and, and even, I would, you know, I'd, I would advise kids on giving filming tips before that if they were like, hey, what should I do about this or this keeps happening or whatever. Mm. For two reasons, like, because when I watch a video, I want it to be, like, watchable. You mm. know what I mean? And I want that skater that you're filming to be stoked on his footage mm. and not be like, oh, shit, I'm going to do it again. Can you film it better? You cut my head off or whatever, you know? So... And, and, you know, and, you know, maybe somewhat selfishly, it's like, well, I'm probably going to work with half these kids one day on some project 
And if there's some kid in Queensland who now becomes a better filmer because I've told him everything I could possibly tell him, and then, you know, and I'm working on the video and there's a guy from Queensland in it, I'm like, hey, work with this kid. This kid mm-hmm. knows how to film. Like mm-hmm. he's on his, he's on his, he's on his game. You know. So, and at the end of the day, skateboarding wins. Like, all these kids, you know, nothing existed like that when I was growing up filming. You know, it's like there wasn't even the internet to, you know, research what equipment to use or, or anything like that. So, so yeah, if you if you know it, you should you know share it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I was in um, I was in a skate bar in Bali the other week. Yeah. And they were playing that cinematographer video yeah and i was you know there's a bowl there and you know skaters skate the bowl while people are drinking which yeah. you know to me is pretty dangerous yeah. so but um but then they also play skate videos and stuff yeah. and i saw all this footage from melbourne coming up and yeah. i'm like oh wow and then i and i saw your name come up and it was like a whole part that you'd put together but um i was sort of glancing over at the screen from time to time to see what was going on and it was all the biggest names in in the US and globally, and then you had a section in there, and I was yeah. just like, oh, so so it was really good to see, you know. Um, it must have been a surprise. Yeah, it was. It was because I you know I followed skating to an extent, but here I was, you know, in Indonesia, and like there were skaters everywhere and all this sort of stuff, and then I saw all the go through all these big names, and you know you saw their style of skating and who they were around and all that, yeah. but then there was this whole Melbourne section, and it was all yeah. by you. So how how did that all come about? Um, so I guess I'd known some of the trans, so John Holland, who works at Transworld, um, and I'd known, you know, different people and, and worked on different things and yeah, and basically John, those guys were out here on a tour one time and they were finishing, they were finishing a video that they were working on and I was talking to John, I'm like, oh, what's next? Like who's, you know, cause they, they would sometimes have there was generally a formula, you know, it's these five guys, this is who's in the video. And, you know, sometimes there would be, you know, they changed filmers consistently, you know what I mean? So like, you know, there's been multiple people who've worked for Transworld and done the videos, you know, so Mm -hmm. like, I think Chris Ray might've been there or Jason Hernandez might've been just finished and, but John had been the consistent guy for like 10 odd years. So anyway, I can't remember, but I think it was the in-between part, like maybe Hernandez had left like oh wow what are we going to do for the next one and he's like do you remember the cinematographer video I'm like yeah I loved it like and it was like from 97 or 98 or something and it was yeah they just handpicked a bunch of you know skate filmmakers and said do whatever you want hmm. make your section whatever you whoever you want it could be one skater's part it could be 10 dudes it could be a you know a bowl montage or whatever you want he's like yeah we're going to do that again and I was like, oh, I'd love to, yeah, like, I'd love to be involved. He's like, yeah, cool, you're on. And it was like, it was literally that straightforward. So, so that would have been 2011, start 2011 when they were in America, in Australia. They were like staying in Fitzroy. And yeah, and yeah, it just sort of started and just had like, I probably didn't start it till sort of mid-year. And just, yeah, as soon as I got the, the like, green light like yep yeah, you go ahead go for it and that was it and I, so I was working for Nike at the time so I was like cool there's definitely Nike guys I'd be on a Nike trip or there were like Nick Baserio and Alex Campbell I was doing stuff with already and Shane but I just sort of I didn't want it to just be a Nike part and I was like this is meant to be you know skateboarding not a branded thing necessarily um, so yeah I just kind of picked 
I had a way bigger list. I think I ended up with eight people in it. And I was adamant about not having it have, I didn't want to have, you know, you probably have like say 30 tricks in a, in a like three minute section kind of thing on average. I was adamant about not having 30 skaters and 30 tricks. Mm. I wanted it to be like, you know, six to 10 guys and everyone has five to six tricks. So everyone Mm. actually has some presence and, you know, there's no names on the screen or anything, but it's like you watch it and you go, oh, that's that guy skating, you know, and you can tell. It's not just a flash and then you... Yeah, it wasn't just like, well, I got a trick in there too. I wanted it to be quite focused. And I wanted it to sort of hone in a little bit on the guys who were were sort of... Who were doing some cool stuff at the time. Or Mm. they were... Excuse me. Or they were um, trying to further their skateboarding. You know, so originally Mm. there was a list of... There was way more people. Like, Mm. you know, Sammy Winter was going to be in it. I wanted Dustin to be in it. Mm. I wanted Brophy to be in it. But it was obviously a pretty narrow filming window. And even back then, you know, like, you know, and I know people got injured. It was like, oh, yeah, let's get, let's get, let's get, let's get three or four tricks or, you know, if you get something really banging, we'll just put it in there. But, you know, it just didn't, it didn't develop that way. But, um, but yeah, so I just picked the Australian people that, you know, that I thought would be good. And, you know, Dane Berman really set it off. Like he, yeah, he came in really hot as he does. And some of those, those enders in the video and some of the stuff he did was just like, it really set the tone for the whole video and not that you know skateboarders aren't competitive or meant to but everyone's like you know they want to make sure they're turning up in their best possible way you're not trying to burn someone but you're trying to be good and and the stuff that dane did definitely set the level and like jake duncan did some amazing stuff in it as well because people were like oh shit dane just got towed in by a car to do something or whatever so it developed really well and it um you know, did trips to Perth and, you know, Jake and I drove to Sydney at one stage and stayed at Corbin Harris's house and he was filming another video and we just like, we just, we were just smashing it. It was like one of those daily routines of like, we were getting stuff done. So great memories. Like it was a lot of work right down. Like I think we got four tricks on the very last day of filming. Like some of Jake did some stuff on the last day, which was like, dude, I need to finish the video and his gaps, you know? So him and Brass, yeah, sort of really really went to town on that one um jeremy career's stuff was sick you know he did some really good stuff and and it's even funny because like lewis has like the opening trick and he only has one trick and we had tried to film other stuff like he tried to switch big spin flip the heidelberg double set and just couldn't roll away clean or like he land on it and like slide out or whatever and then as it, it went along, it's like, let's go back and get it. I said, dude, we don't, I said, well, we can do it. We never went back for it, but it was also like, you don't do it. You don't need to do it. You have the opening trick mm. and it's so gnarly that you don't really need anything else. You know what I mean? It says a million things. You know, you don't have to bust your balls for it. So, so yeah, I'm pretty stoked the way that worked out. Like, you know, with him having the opener and, you know, I lived across the road from IMAX at the time, like directly across the mm. road. Like I could see that whole forecourt and that gap from my balcony and so yeah i would i would go over there and you know bondo up the cracks and you know shuffle back across the road put the bondo away take the ladder across get up on the ladder you know we went there twice he didn't do it the first time because it was the, it was windy and then we went back the second time and just did it you mm-hmm. know so so yeah i have really fond memories of doing that and not um and everyone being really motivated you know, everyone being like, oh shit, I get to be, I get to be in this transport video, I get to do something. So yeah, they're just definitely golden memories of, of doing that. And then went to the, 
went to the premiere, like flew, I flew to, I flew to, flew to LA for like a weekend basically. Mm. And, um, stayed with O'Mealy and that was, yeah, that was a pretty wild, wild weekend, but yeah, it was just, you know, it was just a bit surreal. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you go there and it's like, you know, it's a massive theater and it's just like, Oh shit. Like, right. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to go back home now. <laughs> Good work. And, um, and as the years and like technology changed and, yeah. and stuff like that, do you, um, do you play around with different formats of filming? Or are you like still a hundred percent committed to the shoulder cam? <laughs> oh well, like I still have, yeah. Like you know, I'm just I'm only like I've all, I've had you know different cameras. Like a lot of people film now with like you know on a tripod, with you know zoom lens and and all that kind of stuff. I'm only just about to venture into that world. Like I did try and do it. Like Jason Hernandez, we did um, we worked on Debacle together. The first hd skate video that nike did back in 2009 and jason was on tripods and you know like using the zoom ring and the, on the on the front of the sort of what was it it was the hvx 1000 i think or 100 so he was all you know he was right into that and i just never trusted myself like i just used vx's or you know handy cams with the zoom in and out button for so long and I didn't have the patience or I didn't have the trust. I'm like, I need to film this. I need to know I'm going to get it. I can't have someone like, oh, hang on. Let me get the tripod set up. And I love, like, they can get amazing shots. You know what I mean? It's just you you work with what's comfortable and what, and what with, you know, with what you know. So, and even to this day, like, you know, I still have that same kind of handy cam camera um, because, you know, like, you know, when you're filming skating, if you have to run in, if someone's going to get two shots, you know, and you don't have the time to set up a tripod and mm. you know what I mean? And if you do, I mean, there's plenty of times when you do have the time to have that luxury to do it. Um, but yeah, I've pretty much just stuck to the traditional like handy cam mm. method, but I'm about to broaden my horizons because yeah. you just can't compare like, you know, the, the quality of all the cameras is so high now, but you know, especially with filming on an SLR versus to a, a DSLR versus a handy cam. It's, um, it's all about the lenses that you have on the front. If you have some good lenses, you get some amazing images yeah. that you just can't get out of a handy cam, you know? So mm. have you ever, um, like stuffed up and like missed tricks or filmed them badly? That I could almost, tell, I could almost tell you exact tricks that I have messed up because I used to torture myself about it terribly. It was yeah. a massive, um, definitely have a perfectionism streak and, I know Alex Campbell's been on the receiving end of, of me messing up a trick twice and you don't want to be around me. Like, it's not pleasant. Um, I mean, there's plenty of times where you haven't got something as good as you want it, but you got it still. Yeah. But there's, yeah, there was a couple of times during, I don't know, well, definitely once during that Transworld video where we drove all the way to Sydney and Alex flew all the way over from Perth and I would put immense amounts of pressure on myself. You know what I mean? It's like, and we, the clock's ticking. You know, we might not be to come back to this spot. We're here right now. And I definitely, yeah, I definitely would lose my shit in a bad way. But not out of anyone. Not like I would internalize and just shut down. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, just, I know. I think it's just one of those psychological things without going too deep around like you just, if you expect yourself to be able to do it, mm. you know. And 
that's funny. I remember speaking to Jake Duncan about this, like, he, you know, he was watching me, like, you know, internally beating myself up for messing up this trick of Alex's. And he's like, what's, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I chopped his head off. And like, fuck, he's flown all this way. Like, really writing myself about it. He's like, well, what do you want? A, bo- you want a box of tissues or something? You going to get over it or what? Like, he just like, just like squashed me on it. I was like, yeah, all right, dude. You know, but it took me three days still to get over it. And Alex's like, I'll go back and do it again. And he went back and did it again. And we got the trick, you know, so... But the original version was horrible. But I was like trying to film rolling and I couldn't see him coming. I had to listen. You know what I mean? You're on a busy yeah. road and there's someone waiting for cars. And it's like, there's a lot of factors going into getting this trick. Yeah. But um, anyway, that was that was just one moment. But there's been a, there's never, I don't think there's ever been anything that I've lost or not or not filmed properly that was like crucial. Hmm. You know? The, the, like, the funny thing is though, is everyone's like, yeah, don't worry about it. And you're like, you're just killing yourself over it. Yeah, I'm like this like, is what this is what I pride myself on. You yeah, but at the same I time, I feel like I'm at the psychologist if, if right shit, now. <laughs> if shit happens, man, that's happened, and that's that. No, and I know it's that's that. It. I think the, it's just the amount of stressing you're gonna do is not gonna change anything. You know? No, it doesn't. But I think you can be disappointed. This is how. So this is how what I would assess it. It's like the skateboarder has a hundred shots to get it right, and I have to get it right a hundred shots. Yeah, I have to be right every time because if I'm not right on the time that they do it. Hmm. They've just wasted a hundred shots. Mm. So, if people wanted to check out some of your work, have you got like a website or anything like that? I don't that? have a website at the moment. I have a Vimeo page, which has you know a lot of those videos we've just spoken about, and just little you know different snippets from here and there. Um, What's the um, handle for it? It's just Chris Middlebrook. If you go into Vimeo and just look up Chris Middlebrook, you'll find my little page there. Um, but yeah, lately I've just been doing stuff through my Instagram, just like dropping out random clips from years ago or um, anything like that, just to sort of, people get hyped, skaters live on Instagram, you know, mm. who doesn't want to see a clip from 15 years ago that everyone's forgotten about because it's, it's on a DVD that nobody watches anymore because they don't have a DVD player, so. Yeah, everyone lives on Instagram, doesn't matter what you're into. It doesn't matter, it's yeah. all on there, so. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks for your time today, Chris. It's, no worries. Uh, it's been been really good to catch up. My pleasure. No worries. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you'll find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.